0: I'm Austin White with White Farms in Vernon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With the largest farm news team in the lone star state now here's the host of texas ag today carrie martin
2: hello texas it is time to get rolling with another edition of texas ag today so jump on in with me buckle up we're going to take a ride around the lone star state as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet texas agriculture In the news today, the cow-calf sector of the beef industry has been struggling over the past couple of years, but better times are on the way. That was the news from Randy Block of Cattle Facts at the recent Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Convention in Fort Worth. We caught up with Block and he told us what he thinks is going to happen for cow-calf producers over the next couple of years and it's some good news you'd like to hear. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: It looks like the future of hemp in the Texas High Plains will primarily involve growing it for fiber. But questions remain about what the market will provide farmers. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today.
4: Weed management for better season-long success in crop fields includes four key elements. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll reveal those elements in my story on Texas Ag Today.
5: As temperatures begin to rise, it is time to start thinking about the coming hay season. We will discuss things to check on before you make your first bail. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Higher calf prices are ahead, and that should mean sustained profitability is in the future for the cow-calf sector of the beef business. That was the word from Randy Block, CEO of Cattle Facts. At the recent Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Convention in Fort Worth,
3: I see more profitability for the cow calf producers from 2022 to 2025. Again, uh, we should have a, a prolonged increase in prices. We we'll see prices move in here from. They've been trading in here close to two dollars in here on a five five and a half weight calf, depending on the region of the country. A U.S. average that's about where we're trading today and. I would see those prices pushing up here uh, into the 230s, 240s, and even closer to 250 in here over the next two to three years. So, yes, a, a nice, well needed improvement.
2: Block also expects both fed cattle and feeder cattle prices to move higher over the next couple of years. Higher commodity prices are nice to have, but the increase in input costs and the drought are causing many Texas farmers to tighten their belts as the 2022 crop season gets underway. Russell Baining is president of the Texas Farm Bureau, and he farms just south of San Antonio. He says he's hearing that story from farmers all over Texas.
0: Oh, yeah, Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we're hearing that from producers all across the state. Uh, people are cutting back, whether it's, it's, it's a cultivated crops, whether it's hay crops, uh, people are cutting back on fertilizer. And for two reasons, uh, the cost mm-hmm. and and the weather. I mean, really, it's a, it is a double-edged sword, uh, to use the old cliche right now. Uh, so, yeah, folks are cutting back. I mean, we, didn't, we had some fertilizer put out on our dry land, but really very little. And uh, we didn't put, put any out at planting uh, on our dry land crop.
2: Baining says the high cost of inputs has put a damper on everything this year. We have spent a lot of money fighting fever ticks here in Texas, but it seems we're losing the fight as the ticks become resistant to pesticides and quarantine zones are expanding instead of shrinking. A couple of researchers at Texas A&M are getting a million-dollar boost in their funding to find new ways to fight fever ticks. Dr. Philip Kaufman, head of the entomology department at Texas A&M, says the Texas cattle industry urgently needs new technologies to combat these ticks, and the grant-funded research at AgriLife Research responds to the needs of the industry. There are a lot of questions about the future of hemp on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt visits with the state's hemp specialist about the future of the industry.
3: As we've talked about before, the notion of getting rich by growing hemp for CBD fizzled a long time ago when supply overwhelmed demand. These days, Texas A&M AgriLife hemp specialist Calvin Trossel says, farmers who are continuing to give hemp a try have largely turned their attention to growing hemp for fiber. But even as announcements are made about plans to open production plants in our state, Dr. Trossel says questions about market potential remain.
6: The thing that we do not know yet is what price are they going to be able to offer farmers. We do not know yet for sure what price are farmers going to require in order to make this a viable farming endeavor.
3: At the present time, there is actually one plant buying hemp in our area, the Delta Ag plant in Slayton, which has already established working relationships with a small group of producers. Now, if that note intrigues any would-be hemp farmers, Dr. Trossel has this advice.
6: First of all, it doesn't matter what kind of hemp you grow in Texas, you need to have a buyer lined up, you need to have a contract. And so uh, if somebody just decides, well, I'm going to grow 100 acres of hemp or fiber and see if I could sell it to Delta Ag it's like no that's not the right approach. You need to kind of be, you know, make an arrangement with Delta Ag before you would do anything, before you would even buy any seed. Meanwhile,
3: as the hemp story evolves, Dr. Trossel assures farmers AgriLife remains engaged.
6: Our position is we'll do whatever we can, economics, agronomics, variety trials, pest control, pest management, to try to ensure that our hemp farmers have the best shot they can. At being able to produce a viable crop, and that provides the supply that the industry needs in order for processing.
3: I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Weed management will be a challenge this year with short supplies of herbicides and rising costs. Tom Nicoletti takes a
4: closer look. South Texas technical agronomist Scott Stanislav with Bayer joins me again on today's program to talk more about crop planting time agronomics. Now, for those farmers who have uh, yet to plant their crops, mainly out in West Texas, up in the Panhandle, and maybe still some in Central and South Texas uh, finishing up, uh, having a a weed management program focused on early season to mid-season weed control, uh, certainly important to try to get a a good, clean crop going.
0: Absolutely, and and really you know, starting to clean, staying clean from a from a weed management standpoint is is of utmost importance to have a successful crop at the end of the year to harvest. And as we look at that, and as we think about that, especially in the situation we're in across the state under drought conditions, that can be difficult in managing some weeds in, in those types of situations. But the cornerstones of any herbicide program really are kind of these four elements. The the start clean piece that we talked about, you know, obviously either through tillage or some sort of burn down, overlapping residuals, of course, with some of our more common herbicides being hard to get with some of the supply chain issues that, that have obviously been going on over the past couple of years. I think we're having to look back to some products that may not have been used in a very long time. And so kind of having to go back in the playbook a little bit to, to some of those older products and, and using more residuals to to hopefully gain that successful weed control that we want. So that also brings in basically our our multiple modes of action to where we have have multiple modes of actions across that field as well. How we can help a grower make the most on the acre with the situation that we're in. And that's kind of what we're here for myself as, as an agronomist or my counterparts across the state.
4: That is Scott Stanislav, technical agronomist with Bear Crop Science in Corpus Christi. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hay season is just around the corner.
2: Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson takes a look at a few things to check on before you start baling.
5: Timing is everything when it comes to high quality hay production. A pre harvest inspection of your haymaking equipment can help make up valuable time and hopefully cut back on downtime later on. Here are some tips. Tip number one sharpen or replace dull, damaged blades, sickle sections, and cutting mechanisms. A good cut on the grass reduces leaf loss and prevents stem damage, which can slow plant recovery. Also, check the conditioning rollers, adjust spacing, and rolling time as needed. Properly maintained conditioners will minimize drying time. Tedders and rakes may not be as mechanically complex, but they still need to be functioning effectively. Look for teeth that are misaligned or broken. Replace or bend if possible. Setting the correct pickup height will minimize leaf loss and reduce soil uptake. Perform a thorough inspection on your hay baler. This is the centerpiece of your haymaking operation, and if it is not functioning properly, things come to a halt. Check shafts, sprockets, pulleys, and bearings for signs of wear. Inspect any belts and hoses for cracks. Properly tighten chains and belts. The bearings in the baling chamber often cause the most headache for round balers. Now is the time to check them, not when smoke is billowing out of the chamber. Check the rollers for any excessive movement or play. Look at the tires and check their air pressure. It is a good practice to do a test run by warming up equipment to check for improperly working components. So many factors contribute to a successful hay season. Don't let improperly prepped equipment be the factor that slows you down. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today.
7: A Texas research team has been awarded millions to study chronic wasting disease. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And horses commonly get injuries that must be treated. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across Central and West Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pastureland and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to texasfarmbureau.org to learn more. That's texasfarmbureau.org.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on
2: Texas Ag Today. Horses commonly get injuries that you must treat. And Dr. Bob Judd says the dressing you use on an injury has an effect on healing.
8: And there are hundreds of products in the feed stores and online that claim to almost magically heal all equine wounds. And although some may be helpful, many are detrimental to healing. Equine wounds are unique in that wounds on the lower legs must be treated differently than wounds located in other areas. Dr. Dean Hendrickson from Colorado State indicates in the horse publication that you can't just grab your favorite dressing and use it on every wound all the way through the healing process. Wounds change as time goes on, and may require a different dressing than was used originally. The first thing to determine by your vet is if the wound can be sutured. For this reason, never put anything other than a wrap on a fresh wound, as some medication on the wound can prevent suturing. Wounds can be necrotic and drain large amounts of material, and these wounds need to be debrided, which is removing the dead tissue either surgically or with a special type bandage such as bandages containing gauze and saline or medical-grade honey. Granulation tissue is needed in all wounds, but exuberant granulation tissue is called proud flesh, and this is a major problem in equine lower leg wounds. Some products encourage granulation tissue and some reduce granulation tissue, and you have to use the correct product during the correct wound healing phase or the wound will not heal. Dr. Hendrickson indicates keeping wounds moist aids in healing, and keeping lower leg wounds wrapped usually aids in healing. The last stage is epithelialization, or getting the skin to grow across the wound, and the correct product must be used for this to occur. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: A Texas research team has been awarded millions to study chronic wasting disease. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report.
7: A research team from the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston has been awarded a $13 million grant from the National Institutes of Health to study chronic wasting disease. The research team is led by Dr. Claudio Soto, who has been studying CWD for more than a decade in order to better understand how prion diseases can potentially spread to humans. Dr. Soto said the problem is that even though the number of CWD cases is rising in the United States, we don't know if it can be transmitted to humans. He said researchers don't know whether the animal prions will produce a new human disease, and if so, how it will manifest. Prions are protein-based infectious agents that are responsible for diseases like mad cow disease in cattle, scrapie in sheep, and CWD in deer, elk, and moose. The UT Health Science Center reports that all are fatal brain diseases with incubation periods that can last years or decades. That results in sponge-like degeneration of the brains of infected animals. The Texas Animal Health Commission reports that infected animals shed prions through their saliva, urine, feces, or soft antler material into the environment around them. Those prions can then infect susceptible animals for use. Dr. Soto's team will investigate a number of things with the new round of NIH funding, including the generation, mutation, and evolution of CWD prion strains and the potential for interspecies transmission. According to the CDC, there's no evidence at this time that CWD poses a serious risk to humans, but as a precaution, they say meat from animals showing symptoms of the disease should not be consumed. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mostly lower
2: trade in the cattle complex on Friday. We finished lower on live cattle, mixed on the feeder cattle market, plus cotton and corn, both seeing a mostly lower close as well. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
9: Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau photo contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash. Like $250 for first place, 200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau photo contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org.
2: We had a very positive week for the cattle futures market. However, we did close on a down note on Friday after seeing very strong gains throughout the week. We were lower across the board on live cattle, mixed on the feeder cattle market. April live cattle dropped $1. $1.65, dollars forty-two forty-five. June down $1.47 at 138 at one thirty-eight forty-two. while August feeder cattle were down $1.20 at $140.37. Feeder cattle market lower on the nearby contracts, higher on the deferreds. April feed- down 50 cents 15795 the may down 97 16387 August feeders up 45 cents at 176.90. Cash fed cattle market had a very active week. In fact, we sold 106,000 head in negotiated fed cattle trade this past week. That's the largest number for a week in 2022. So a very active week. The price, not too bad either. We were able to add a dollar here in the South. Our price range was 139 to 141. Most of the cattle selling in that 140 range again that's a buck stronger than the previous week up north dressed cattle sold for 228 to 236 mostly at 230 that's $4 higher compared to the previous week boxed beef prices lower on friday choice down 38 cents at 26919 select was down 65 cents 25503 now let's check the auction barns we're walking the pens with larry marble
10: here, Auctioneer Troy, it's time to cross the Atascosa River down to Pleddington, Texas, and talk to Jim Wheeler about his Tuesday sale. Jim, how did it go? Uh, market was pretty good. Numbers were short. Uh, Easter was Sunday, so we didn't have, we didn't get much mini cattle in on Sunday afternoon, but, uh, ended up with 323 head. Cow market's still decent, and the calf market is too.
6: Well, let's walk the pins.
10: All right, 120 steers, 115 halfers, 68 cows, 16 bulls. Steer side, two to three weights, $1.70 to seventy to two ten. Heifers were a dollar fifty to a dollar Three to four weight steers a dollar sixty to a dollar ninety five. Heifers were a dollar forty to a dollar Four to five weight steers a dollar forty five to a dollar ninety. Heifers were a dollar twenty five to a dollar sixty five. Five six weight steers a dollar thirty five to a dollar eighty one. Heifers were a dollar fifteen to a dollar fifty five. Six seven weight steers a dollar twenty five to a dollar fifty three. Heifers were a dollar ten to a dollar forty. eight weight steers a dollar fifteen to a dollar forty five. Heifers were a dollar five to a dollar twenty. Eight to nine weight Steers a dollar to a dollar 22, and the halfers were 90 to a dollar 10 there.
6: Tuesday, what did they have on the cows? Uh,
10: 164 yesterday. Best packer cow brought 88 bucks. Best bull brought a dollar 10. Uh, had a few bred cows, they brought from 375 to a thousand, and one little pair we ended up splitting. There. What do you know for this next go round? Uh, next go round, we're going to be a little busier. I've already had a couple people call me and want me to come pick up cattle on Sunday and Monday. I might want to be back up there around the uh, 450 mark. Next week.
6: Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you.
10: Reach us at eight three zero five six nine two five one six. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you,
6: neighbor. That's it for walking the pins. I'm Larry Marble. I see you Monday through Friday
2: right here at the kitchen table. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're seeing hogs close higher on Friday. May hogs are up a dollar one eleven eighty five, while June hogs are up a dollar sixty one hundred eighteen seventy seven. Class three milk was mixed. April milk up a penny at twenty four thirty two a hundred weight. May milk down 3, 24, 54, 100. The cotton market closed mix. The nearby contract higher. The new crop contracts finishing lower. A couple of factors. Traders are watching. The weather here in Texas. We've got some rain in the forecast over the next week. So that puts some pressure on the new crop contracts. Also, the outside markets, a higher dollar and a big drop in the Dow, all affecting cotton trade on Friday. We ended up closing with May cotton up 87 points, 139.46. The October was down 239 points, 124.35, while December cotton dropped 102 points, ending the week at 119.16. Good planting weather for the Midwest next week pressured the corn market. May corn finishing six and a quarter lower, 7.93 a bushel. September corn down 10 cents, 7.45 and a half. We had a mixed trade in the wheat market, hard wheat finishing higher while soft wheat was lower. July Kansas City wheat up six cents, Friday closing 1149 and a half. July Chicago wheat down one and a quarter, 1075 and a quarter. The energy markets lower with May natural gas down 48 cents, 647. June crude oil down 211 at 101.68 a barrel. We mentioned already a big drop in the Dow on Friday afternoon. The Dow was down 719 points at 34,072. The NASDAQ down 250 points, 12,924, while the S&P dropped 89 points, 4,304. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture.
1: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website,